Greetings and welcome to Yes A Stripper Podcast. Today's episode, I chat with Cleveland's burlesque queen and activist, Bella Sin. I am your Hopra, Gigi Holiday. Hello, everybody, and welcome. It is I, your Hopra, Gigi Holiday, and I am excited about my guest today. Not only are they in the midst of doing their burlesque makeup right now, if you are watching this on YouTube, my basement, <laughs> in their basement, but we met a few years ago and it, uh, I understand why they said it took them a minute to speak to me because I'm very passionate and very things, but I am glad that they decided to walk the burning coals to talk to me <laughs> <laughs> because we have not stopped talking sense um they are a historian they are um a makeup artist they are the goth mexican they are I'm just um, a mexican <laughs> they are number 24 on the top 50 burlesque list of 2021 oh my god i am happy and so honored to introduce my sibling, Bella Sin. Hello. Hola, como están? Hello. Bien, bien, bien. ¿Y tú? Um, obviously doing my makeup because I can't act right. Um, and the mess behind me, this is my life, period. I mean, um, <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. You know, this Welcome. Is Welcome. Welcome. Listen. Thank you for having me. Of course. I think I... I booked you at the right time because we are in the midst of this top 50 burlesque list of 2021. And what it is, it's an internationalist. And out of thousands upon thousands of burlesque entertainers, there's only 50 in the world that really get spotlighted by our peers. And it does take years and time but we just found out last night yeah. that Bella Sin finally made the list and debuted <laughs> at number 24. Panics in Spanish. Panics uh, <laughs> in Spanish. I can't even tell you what it was like to my friend was like, so wait, you just like skipped half the list and went straight to 24. I was just like, huh? We only breed stars here. I was just like, what's going on, ma'am? I think the 24 is fitting because you work 24 hours a day. Um, I do not sleep. And this is a very well-known fact. If you call me three o'clock in the morning, I'll be like, yo, what's up? Bella will answer. (laughs) Yes, I will. Also, like, don't call me at nine o'clock in the morning. If you call me, like, you know, Bella, Bella will answer. But, you know, if you ever heard a, a, a Jill of all trades, a Jack of all trades, no, it's a Bella of all trades. Bella does a lot, but I'm going to have Bella tell us their origin story. Oh my God. I was a wee little like Latin girl in drag back in the day. Um, and then I changed my name to Basin and then I evolved and now it's like, the whole thing um so i was born in Juarez, Chihuahua, mexico uh, to my mama and a very large loving family 
uh, immigrated to the United States in the late 1999s, early 2000s. I went to school in the U.S., um, Denver, Colorado, which was really confusing, to be honest with you. Like, it was like, it was awesome because I was like, I was in a diverse status in Mexico because we're indigenous. We had people around us. It was this whole thing, right? But then, like, I shifted schools to a suburb school, and then it was an old white school, and that was awkward. Uh, that was hella awkward. That was a whole different... And this was before I knew about, like, my microaggressions and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Any, like, so, it was all that. And then I um, joined the internet um, at the library, because we were too poor to afford a computer. Um and I met somebody, and I'm, and I moved to Ohio because uh, I was pregnant with my daughter. But like, I think that gave me um, will. But I actually started burlesque by lying about my age, <laughs> taking classes because I was so inner city schools. We know that the libraries are not so super greatly funded, right? Correct, correct. So I went into this little library, and they had an entertainment section. So, and by the way, nobody ever gets to film me do my makeup. So you guys are in the real thick of it, in the thick of it. I love it. The white primer is on right now. Oh yes, oh yes, we're do- we're doing that that set. So, um, I I went into like I'm like I'm a skip class, right? Because I thought I was smart. Uh, and where do I go when I skip class? I went to the library. So as a nerd, I've done the same thing. Yeah. So like I'm sitting there and I'm pretty sure the librarian was like, well, I guess better here than somewhere else. Right. And it was an inner city school, you know? So, um, I was going through these, there's a section of entertainment books and it was all the donated books that are brought in by like the, the school did something once a year where they got all these books donated to them from like just company people. And those is the, the book, the pictorial history of burlesque, which I actually mm. have, and I'm looking for right now, actually right here. Oh, wow. So it's out of print in the 1940s. So um, I don't know if you guys know that I have a, a great big deal of books. Oh no, we're <laughs> going to talk about your, so, um, you being a historian. So I open it to this, page and i just like saw this beautiful dancer and i was just like uh that's what i want to do for the rest of my life so it was um i found in the phone book because we used to not use the internet for these things right i found uh some classes by vivian vavum and i did a class with her and she's like, that was not real. I was like, I had black hair back then and I looked like a little goth kids. How were you supposed to know? So um, I took a couple classes from her. And then I used to like, when I say I'm a baby bat, I can't tell you guys enough how much of a of a weird alt kid I am. Uh, not as much as Seal Vast. She's the goth pinup chilla forever. I love her. Uh, she's over in Chicago. Shout out. Um, but the... I um I debuted at a goth bar. Um, <laughs> I put my pasties on with nail glue. How Don't dare judge you. me. Though it was the drag queen. It was the drag queen. Just like if it works for the earrings, it works for the nipples, right? It was a bad idea. It but um, I did Jefferson Airplane's Wet Rabbit. It was a mess. I couldn't get my corset off, so I found a random knife on stage. 
at a golf bar. That's not normal, I guess. And I um I cut my beautiful taffeta course at those four hundred dollars that I spent so much time um like saving for. She fixed it. But like I you know, I was just trying to be in the chant and since then I was hooked. So then when I moved to Ohio, I had my daughter on December twenty-third, immediately following March fourth of two thousand four, the first show for what we used to be called La Femme Burlesque. Mm-hmm. Was it Akron? And then um then it began. And later in time, we moved over to Cleveland. Um, because we needed to out of survival. You know, like we were we were really raised around uh LGBTQ bars because mm-hmm. they remembered what we were like straight clothes did not know what the hell was happening. So we were like, okay, my first show was my own first production. I didn't know what I was doing. Everybody got paid. We were like, there was like 17 people there, maybe. Uh, those two bands, one of the band guys was like doing the show. Like, I think it was like Scott Paris was playing. There was another trip around that time called the Bo- Rubber City Bombshells and uh, Pussyfoot Girls, which was mm-hmm. a very unfortunate name. Uh, <laughs> very, very unfortunate uh, but they were super cute um they were more vaudeville another one was like more or less belly dancers like something that they used to do pony girl um most amazing fire twirler ever um and uh they used to do the pensick wars over in pennsylvania yeah so they um we started there and then just for a couple of while, like years it was just me it was lonely but it was just like it was just not stopping and kept going kept going and at that time we didn't have the internet we didn't have like as in like we had the internet but it was not accessible you know like we had certain things to to keep ourselves informed of what to do but really it was just like going to the library and trying to figure out who what where what what was bump and grind and so i relied a lot about on old books i would find so and we kept going we kept growing and then we moved to cleveland and we started performing there everywhere i joined a lot of nonprofits to just do nonprofit work because i actually like activism i like community outreach i, I like that that i enjoy that that's that's been built in me from my family that keeps you going that keeps you going so and also my family has a long history of it yeah it makes sense that that is part of your burlesque foundation yeah so Um, also we spend a lot of time in the lgbtq community and as an immigrant like we don't have a choice than to a advocate or b be quiet so then the biggest break i got was that i was named in 2010 I received in the end of the year, I received a message from Cleveland Magazine. They're like, oh, hey, we want you to name you one of Cleveland's most interesting people. 2011. And I was like, are you joshing me? Is this real? Who are you? Um, (laughs) And then I met Cindy Barber from the Beachland Ballroom there. Yes. And we became friends. And she's like, hey, I've seen burlesque shows here. How about you come and do a show there? And our first show was on New Year's Day. Because I thought it was a good idea. And we had like five, ten people in the crowd, but it was perfect. And so it started. It started there. And then we went and got picked up in Akron. We had actually mm-hmm. Vagina Jenkins as our headliner, which I love. The first <laughs> annual sweetheart showcase. Uh, we sold out. And then we did another show for Valentine's Day in Cleveland. We sold out. And it was just like 
it was a start even though like that start was just like it was awesome but it was just like there were so many starts and stops and downs and ups and upside downs and like now we're the longest running theatrical burlesque production company in ohio with the largest burlesque festival in the midwest with the ohio burlesque festival which is going on 11 years this year and then we're essentially the longest running lgbtq owned operated latinx immigrant owned state show in ohio and i just recently found out about that um and we changed our name a couple of years back to Cleveland Burlesque LLC because it was just fitting to who we are. So, and here, somehow we are two chromaticas later, you know? Two chromaticas <laughs> later, too. So Gaga, you need a new album. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> this one's not a vibe. So, yeah. So but here like, we go. Here I am. You, wow, you really did a lot. I think it like it was because I wanted to get my city behind me before I brought anybody in. Mm. And that was like such an important part of and the dichotomy that we were having here. That's one of the things that like you as you know, I have struggled with. I have been struggling to get DC behind me for the longest yeah. time and it just wasn't happening. Um and that's okay. It's not gonna happen anytime soon. Um, I'm just gonna be the Taraji P. Henson of Burlesque. Uh <laughs> I hate <laughs> But, <laughs> but write that down for the next. It's <laughs> a Taraji P. Let me, please. But with that being said, like I learned of you and knew of you because of your work in the community and your advocacy. And I, how should I put this? You intrigued me because I was just like, who else is the loud motherfucker in the room calling out shit? Who's this other loud person <laughs> calling out I shit? I can't tell you how many times I got in trouble for that. And I was like, I don't care. Who you? Like, I really was like, who you? Like, who are you to me? Who you? Um, I'm loud. You loud. Are we talking about the same thing? Maybe we should combine forces and be loud together. I would like those the, the thing that's always baffling to me is like that idea that you have to be quiet to be complicit to to achieve to have success and and controlling have things given to you and I was just like my mom never never in one a million times that we've spoken back then told me to be quiet about misfortune and about oppression and but it was never delivered in that social justice conversation is like you have to be a good person and you have to help the people that fall down around you so you can carry communities together. Correct. So my, um, my aunt and my uncle actually were really big with activism. Um, I liked that I found out that later in life when I was older and I could understand when there was uh, all these um, things happening in Juarez that they actually took a school hostage, like a college hostage. And like, I was just like, I was like the misunderstanding of that. They were trying to take away the school from the people that was making jobs. It was like a trade school and all they had this group of people that took it hostage. So they wouldn't take it from them um the police and local government so they're standing up against the government and then there was all this aid to the zapatista movement and all the stuff that my family would do and i was just like come again for big fudge so like it was it's it's never been like injustice has never been a thing that i like to see especially since we were so used to it as mexicans in the united states and like i don't think the conversation has been made enough 
about how unfortunate it is to to just see people in very many spaces mm -hmm. in their daily life and what happens. So I didn't want to be that person because somebody's like, oh my God, your, your light skin, if you get rid of that accent and the way you look and you like operate your nose and you like move up your chin and you lose weight and you stop like, and you, you get your hips to something, you'll be a, you, you'll look like, and you'll pass to be white. And I was like, but why would I want to do that? Why do I want to pass? I was just like, my cousin Lucy has the most beautiful melanated brown skin. And like, that's who I wanted to be growing up. That's who I wanted to speak. But I think the first, I think subliminally, when I was learning English in Mexico, I think I heard struggle and understood struggle also because of where I learned English, which was Nina Simone. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I meant, like they wouldn't want those records in, in America. So they would send them to Mexico. So whenever they came in, because Texas is right across the street from Juarez, so it's just like a thing. So my uncle would bring them home because we didn't. We had one TV and a and in a player for records. That's it. That was our entertainment. Um, and running around throwing firecrackers at each other. So <laughs> random snakes, whatever you know, like spiders, we we'll throw it. Uh, <laughs> I love how the hood is the <laughs> same in different places. Right. Uh, <laughs> I'm about to say like. Damn, I definitely was throwing firecrackers. Like, <laughs> we were, did you have the game where you like were playing like like jump rope, but like then you stretched it and started running after the kids, and they had to jump it or whatever and get under it, and it was it was like whole thing. Like yeah. there was times that I'm pretty sure I ate dirt. Um, <laughs> we make dirt cakes. Yeah, that was my thing. Yeah, I'm so to, I ate grass. I do remember eating grass. I think that Don't tell my mama. My mama probably in is going. You ate grass, ma'am. <laughs> I'm sorry, but <laughs> she can't say nothing. She ate paste once. <laughs> Here we go. So, um, hi, Gigi's mom. But it's like, I think you know Brenda. Like, hi, Brenda. Hi, Brenda. Gigi's mom. Miss Christmas. Um, <laughs> Miss Christmas. Miss Christmas. Hello, Miss Christmas. So, I think it was, it's, it, was, it was embedded in me, and it was also shown so much in my community here because cleveland like cleveland was just the underdog you know for the longest time and then we we were seeing the issues that are rising to too and like also as a young person i was finding who i was as a person and what were my cousins what are my things you know so i think that's how i just translated it to burlesque and a lot of people are like you're gonna get black eyed, you know, like or blackballed. Nobody's gonna hire you. Nobody's gonna this. Nobody's gonna that. And I was like, then why do I want to work for them? So I also like how you said black eyed when you meant to say blackballed because those people that were shitty deserve black eyes. Like, like black eyes. Like if we would speak up to venue owners here um, in the LGBT community, we would get beat up. Yeah. If we would complain, we would get beat up. Like, and that makes was, no. Yeah, that's ridiculous. So we get really hurt here. Yeah. So your your I'm just saying your commitment to activism in the scene, in the burlesque scene, and in your community and an LGBT community, like, has been inspiring to me. Because I really do think my voice got louder once I saw I needed to match your tone and your, you know, I needed to match your volume. Like you, you knew of me because I was loud, but <laughs> the first time I saw you, um, I think we were having an argument online 
And we I was were. like, who that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I felt like you and I were just like, who, who are you? And <laughs> I was just like, oh my God, they're beautiful. <laughs> and that's like, that was my, and I, for some reason, I was just like, nobody wants to talk to me and I'm a nobody from Cleveland, right? So like, honestly, and I have to say, like, I'm honored that people like you and many others that I look up to say that I inspire them because like, to me, it's been a constant learning growth in battling of my own, like my, my own things that were put in like decolonizing, making sure that I have, you know, the proper, the proper conversations happen because I've, I've made mistakes and and all of us have in our journey because we didn't have a lot of education. We had certain amounts, but it's like, I, I caught people trying to make me complicit. I caught people trying to make me problematic. I caught people trying to be like, Oh, you don't have to do that. Well, you know, and I was like, ma'am, but like, I think it was like really like through Cleveland Pride uh, Parade and Festival. And I spent nine years as their large logistics coordinator and like fundraising and all that stuff is really where I sought where the voices needed to go. So, and I was like, okay, so this is the, the people I need to help. It wasn't until like, honestly, like the Trump administration that I shift focus. And I just, you did. Yeah, you did. Let's go. You know? I, I also would like to say Bella Sin has one of my favorite pictures that I should probably get printed and uh, put in my apartment, which is Bella wearing the Mexican flag and putting two middle fingers up to the Trump. Oh, that that beautiful, lovely dress that a drag queen made me in. Um, that was a good project. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it so, a, it's, a Chicago. it's a Mexican uh, flag dress it's a when it's like um a one piece yes yes it's a, it's a onesie yes but then it's just you putting the middle fingers up to trump and i'm just like i need this that was a special field trip to the trump tower and during burlesque hall of fame fame yeah i was like i need this i need this i when i tell you i was so stinking afraid of wearing that in the orleans and to see how people would react to that because constantly for my whole life has been like you're too mexican you're too loud you 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 you're too like you're too this you're too that you shouldn't speak spanish and like i was just nervous because i was just like uh so this is gonna go one of two ways <laughs> and uh you know and i was like my i think my roommate was like just wear it and i i stepped out i wish that i would have done knee-high boots like calf high like yes limestone and like the there are going to be other opportunities well, for yes. you to wear it again so. <laughs> so you already know i'm trying to so, i'm doing my african print and oh we're, indigenous we're have... indigenous stuff you know i'm mixing i'm doing my afro indigenous shit yes hell yes you know we're, that. On, that. we're, we're, we're on that <laughs> we're on that we're on the afro indigenous um, i love i love occupying spaces uh with my culture and my indigeneity because i feel like I'm challenging ideas of what a person can be because like identities are so complicated, but especially in burlesque it's almost like for that small, small time of time when we first met, when we first saw each other, we started seeing this whole like white centered idealism around burlesque, which I was like, excuse me, you're doing club stripper moves on stage that were developed by black and brown folks. I was about to say, you doing black club, and, you doing black stripper moves and we we see it. That's my thing. I don't think the girls see it. And I know I said this on another podcast, uh, another episode of this, but like you, 
you know, it's interesting that they don't think we see it. Well, like the 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 specifics were like, and I'm gonna bring this up, like Egypt Black Nile. Um, she was an amazing entertainer, and she was they don't try to get her on this goddamn show. <laughs> Egypt, come in the show. Um, like, well, here's the thing: she did a couple of those moves in Behoff stage, mm-hmm. and people are like, "Oh, how, how? That's not burlesque. That's not classic. That's not this." A year later. There's the girl dancing to like she'd take my money and like and I was just oh no we're gonna say that person's name because I do want to meet them in person I do want to let them but like well I call it messy honey messy messy (laughs) but like and I was like and then I started seeing like not that I haven't like hip hop music was developed very differently we keep that's a whole nother podcast with itself but like when I see that and then I see the praise to white women. And they're like, that's so risky. That's so dirty. That's so like, ugh. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. And I was like, and also like challenging the idea what old school burlesque is. It was just like, when I'm doing a fucking um, a mambo, a samba, a salsa, like I'm doing those dances and they're like, or even for Clorico, and they're like, that's not old school burlesque. I'm like, um, mind you, mind you, we have a whole Latinx like historical thing of burlesque oh yes. you see that they were dancing to the exact same music that you were dancing to and that and that's the thing like that's why i started um latin burlesque pioneers historical stuff because like so the first time i went to behoff 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 that listen i heard it okay vapor <laughs> I, I speak multiple languages and this economy one language does not serve me so like um just like one gender does not serve you which i think is great like <laughs> this economy a gender it's a gender in this economy <laughs> ma'am no um i'm sorry about your life so it's it's like i, I went to my first behalf and then i was so nervous I was so nervous. And then, of course, the first people I met were Canadians. And they were, like, the nicest. And I was like, oh, my God. So then um, I knew that there was burlesque legends that were Latina, but I never met one. Like, I knew Kin. That's it. Marinka. Marinka. Baby. Como estas? Your name is Balasin, right? And then Miss Tony was like, do not mess with my child. That's my child. And I was just like, whoop. I find it funny that Mama Tony did the same thing to me, to Marinka. Marinka. So what I need to know is burlesque, Behoff is Burlesque Hall of Fame. And I know I've said it before, that is our Oscars, our Emmys, that everything. Like, this is the bell of the ball. But the burlesque legends are there, such as, and I've mentioned before, Tony Elling. Tony Elling, Bella is also one of, another reason that Bella is my sibling it's because we both share the same mama. Mama. We share the same legend. Mama Tony. Yes. Mama Tony Elling claims us and will not let any other legend. No. Speak to us. Ever. We, can't, we can't. We're just, we know. But Mama Tony will say it publicly. This is mine. This is my child. Back off. And it's, it's funny because she does her little finger going like this. Yes, she does the finger. That's why I'm just like, she does the finger and she did the same thing to me. Remember, I told you Marinka <laughs> had the dog, saw me walking towards Mama Tony, 
comes out of the aisle, looks me up and down and says, you look fuckable. I love her. This is me. What? And then mama goes, this is mine. And I felt mama Tony grab me closer. This is mine. This is my child. It was, it was funny because like when I met like mama, Tony, I met mama Tony before I ever mama Tony. And then, um, Lottie, the body, uh, and Detroit prior to me ever meeting any, I pen with a bunch of legends, but I never like, they were my firsts, you know, and there's something special about your first legends. But like when I got to be and Mama understood when I saw um, all the Latina legends. So we saw Fontaine, we saw Lola Fox, we saw, we, we saw all those Latina legends. I was like sitting there going like freaking, I, I forever will love Gina Bonbon. She embraced me so warmly. And like, Gina Bonbon. Like, every, sing, every single one of them. And it was just like, they cussed me. Like I was, it was like a lost child found Jerusalem. And I was like, hello. And it was like truly what I needed at that time because I was really, I was actually gonna quit. My friend um, Marilu sent me over and helped me afford my trip, and I was actually gonna quit after that. And I was like, "We'll go see what it is, and then be done." You can't quit no. after you see the legends. After you see no, your they, legends, because I couldn't, I wasn't finding my place here. Like everybody kept telling me, "Was like, you know, you're too Mexican to do burlesque. You're too big to do burlesque. You're too Latina to be burlesque. You're too loud." You, and there to a certain point, I was trying to just please everybody else and do what their idea of burlesque was and never truly what I wanted to do in burlesque was. Even like, even me doing music in Spanish was controversial. And there was always, never doubt, there was always a white woman to cut me down. Shout out to all my haters. Um, <laughs> keep me relevant. But it was just like, they were using Latino music and I couldn't use it because I was like, hello. But it's just like, as soon as I saw them, it's just like, there has to be more. And then I started, I, I started looking and it turned into like this, I shall find. And I found, and then I didn't start sharing the, those findings till recently because I started seeing the same thing happened all over again. It's like, hey, you know, this is the, it actually when the Trump administration started being a thing, which I like how my friends was like, oh, this is just a joke. He's not running. I was like, uh, and they're like, oh, it's just a joke. He's going to drop out. Uh, oh, it's just I was like, guys, guys, hello, hello, press the panic button. As I have said multiple <laughs> times. Support. You put this and you saw me post on Facebook one time. I said, you let this man in my town. See what happened. He's going it, to destroy DC. Remember, I kept saying he's exactly, going to destroy it, it, DC. He's going to destroy, and look what happened. Exactly. And like, I was so mad and so petrified. Like when everybody kept saying, "It's like, oh, it's gonna be, it's gonna be okay, it's gonna be okay." I was like, "Just keep saying that because you're not scared and you're not in danger." I know exactly who's gonna be in danger. And like, we kept having those conversations, conversations. And then the day he got elected, I just had Joey baby sin. I remember. Yes. And I was crying on live. I was just like legitimately scared for my life. Um, because I don't know if anybody followed what he said about Latinos, about Mexicanos, about immigrants, and how that I don't think people understood the hell since then that we had to live in as Latinos, as Mexicanos. And like, not only us, like, 
Black folks everywhere, any mar marginalized minority, especially like in the late term of the administration, we had Asian folks having to carry that burden. So it's almost like, let's shift the blame. Like, this is the reason. And it's not the first time in history that we hear a president blame Latinos and immigrants. For us. Like, it started since, like, the before the repatriation. Um, open books, they have words. I know they don't have a lot of pictures, people, but okay. open books. Um, so, like, that's when I shifted focus and I started doing only songs by people, by composers in Spanish so I was occupying the stage differently I think that's when my idea of burlesque changed into what it really like I think through all uh, me and you have seen in history that three years burlesque has changed its narrative so we've seen you know like when people talk about burlesque being political and mockery of, they don't never include that through the years it's changed and been influenced by other arts. Like we talk about Aristophanes and how he was the original play Greek playwright. And then we go into what Victorian burlesque, Comedia del Arte and um, the Stravesties vaudeville that was in, that came out around in Europe. And we don't talk about how those things influence it. We don't even talk about how the minstrel show influenced it and how minstrel show still influenced comedy and how those things that the three set is still. We would not have this. We would not have Saturday Night Live if it was not for minstrel show. Exactly. So like sometimes. I need people to understand that. And that's when people are just like, you still watch Saturday Night Live? You love Saturday Night Live? Yeah. Look at the history of variety exactly. shows. It's the minstrel show. And it's, it's it's kind of like to me like people don't they always want to be like oh it's a macarena i was like if anything the only thing that has stayed from the there was like it's you're supposed to not take it that seriously and it's supposed to be funny whatever i was like ma'am this is a job but yeah it was just like every time that we talk about how burlesque is political we talking about the politicality of the background of everything especially about marginalized bodies on stage and that's dead ass what still exists on stage today we um i specifically still go back to poison ivory step down forever that was mind-blowingly beautiful and i tell you that i stopped talking to a certain amount of people after like oh you know what that was about i was like shut your trap shut i do not care that you're a legend i don't i care that you're an influencer i don't care who you are where you come from i will i don't care if i get banned from the orleans so because it was it was deep and then when we see specifically when we see also like there was this act it was beautiful it was um she was from what used to be yugoslavia she had a um these white wings the, was it the, the projection did she did yes she had she a her, her thing and i remember yeah there was, was something talking about her, the war yes and, and then something going was, on in her country and i remember yeah, watching that yeah, going yeah. Like, um i talk that. about that a lot and then Same. Uh, yeah and like i was just like look at because also the costume was key she was rising from the ashes it was gray it was red there was like the symbolism behind it it was one of those things where I am not from Yugoslavia. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm an immigrant in a different way. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm an immigrant in a different way. And I saw that and I literally was just like, finally, maybe these white people will get that there's issues. And it wasn't. And I was, my heart was just 
bleeding for her. I was just like, did y'all hear the speech that she said afterwards? I was like, she is worried. And then the same thing is with someone happening in, you know, like same political unrest, civil unrest happening in the United States. And do you know, during the pandemic and while the insurrection was happening, I remember thinking I could be her. When we could have the, all been her. When the country you're in, when the earth you're under, no, when the, the, when the earth that's under you starts burning under your feet and yelling at you to go, you have no choice but to run. I believe that's a, like, that's not verbatim what the poem is. Somebody read it in uh, one of the rallies I went to, but like telling you when I started doing music in Spanish solely as my protest, I was like, you're going to see me strip. You're going to hear me strip. You're going to see me finally and un- unapologetically Latin- Latina, Mexicana, Latinx. I was, I was just like, I'm going to pour this. And so that's why, um, Malagueña uh, was so important to me. That was uh, my mom's um, tribute. So, like, we talked about it. And I used to do folklore when I was little. And I was like, how do I mix this with this? And I figured it out. Uh, it was the first costume that I made in this house, actually. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, but it's like when I submitted it to Real Soul Fame, I like, I never thought it, you never think they're going to get in. Then you get in and you're like, and I. <laughs> Isn't that my phone call to you all the time? I'm yeah. in this. What? Uh, yeah, <laughs> you should be in it. No, I'm shocked. I didn't think I was going to get in it. Sometimes <laughs> I'm be shocked of news because, like, I can't tell you how jarring some of this news is. And I was like, let me have my my fucking Mexican joy. Let me let us have our POC joy moments because we don't have them very often sometimes. Because in this in these fields, sometimes we don't get to right. Right. But anyway, so like. I will go off on that a lot. I think I think it's great that you occupy space, and you know my my African diaspora sees your <laughs> sees your African diaspora and Latinx, and it's just like we get it. And but well, it's important for it. us to occupy space, right? With our ethnicity and racism and everything, but it's also important for us to understand when that space is not as ours to occupy and ours to move somebody into that space to uplift and move forward. I think that's what a lot of people forget about, especially light-skinned Latinas, light-skinned folks in general, people that can pass. Um, I don't like using my passing personally, and I know this is like very controversial opinion, but like I'm, <laughs> I'm indigenous Raramuri Mexica, and my reconnection and my decolonization in my, like, I got scolded for speaking. I got scolded for being. And as soon as I came to this country, I got scolded for the same thing in a different location. But it's just like, the fact is, yes, do like, we, we need to, my grandma put it the best way. And I keep telling people that this is, this is the way she, she put it. I was the light skin of my family. And she, and I was, I, they would joke with me cruelly that I was adopted. And that, that, look, it's, it's minor, that sounds like a minority family, you know, yeah. that sounds like. So, but like, I, I kept seeing my, my cousins and like my cousin Salvador, he's Afro-Mexican. Like, and then we have some of my family, Afro-Mexican, indigenous mixed. Um, and they kept joking about that. And I was just like, I didn't feel like enough because my standards of beauty were brown skin long black hair dark black brown eyes those were my standards of beauty that i couldn't live up to and no i couldn't live up to those remember like there was no i was just the weird kid 
I was weird. I listened to metal. I listened to hard rock. I listened to all this. And then I came to this country. They're like, oh no, you could be these beauty standards because you might get there, but you have to lose weight and you have to look like this and you have to have long hair. And I never really fit anywhere. So I was like, no man's land. Yeah. Which is, it's very interesting now because people are trying to look like your beauty standard. You know what I mean? Like, yeah trying to have the big hips and the big butt and the full and lips the and, and the BB, you know, the thick hair, like you have thick, you know, they want all these things. And it's just like, Oh, you kind of biting off. But back in the day, they used to be like, why are you wearing extensions? Why are you wearing a wig? Like, Oh, only, only black people do that. Only brown folks do that. And now it's like trending. And I'm over right. here like, I love how they're saying only brown folks do that. You just like, I am brown. Like, I'm one of those. <laughs> I'm freaking horchata. I'm cafe con leche. I'm a freaking mazapan. I get it. I'm Mexican <laughs> Casper, the unfriendly ghost. But it's do not cross my siblings because I will be the one that will deliver you prime style to another side of existence. Uh, you will be there and was. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and one of the things that I also know that you and I now joke about, but you were just like, Gigi, I thought you were Dominican when I saw you. And I was like, I'm not. The, yeah. What made you think I was Dominican? And then I had to think about all the Dominicans I grew up in, and I was like, oh shit, we all did look alike. Like- <laughs> also, I think like these conversations also we had about like Afro-Latinos and how they feel less and like they don't feel like they belong to one or another either they're not black enough or they're not latin enough or you know and it's something that i again to bring her up again egypt black nile she's latina and she's in the black community and in the latina community but like back in the school school when you you had to pick one (laughs) to where you know and it's weird even now when i bring up my indigenous heritage. And I was like, y'all have to understand that historically we were not allowed to say anything for a while because it was while African-Americans and the blacks were getting it worse, the native, the indigenous community was getting it worse than us. And my family, we couldn't, my mom was like, we don't say, we don't, we don't talk about it that much. We, we just, also we don't, don't hold a space to understand that indigeneity is a global concept. You, Take it like stolen to another country. Hmm. But like yeah. and and also like anti-blackness runs in every community. Like unfortunately, you have talked about that a lot. Yeah. And it's it's unfortunate because people will be like, oh, that's you're not indigenous, you're not just the, the term of concept all the time is like you're not enough. And I'm over here like, uh, but like and we can argue on the internet like a million hours a day but when in the end thing being being a personal color is just complicated pass or not pass but it's it's just like you choose how to operate in the world and when my friend was like my my friend was just like and my husband's like both of them white they're like i don't know what you're talking about because we know when a white person person is not white like you we know you ain't white there's no way we can relate to you being white. And I was like, can you explain and expand on this concept? And they're like, well, you're the way you walk, the way you talk, the way you sound, your accent, the way you dress, the way your hair is, the way you, you know, they just, they just go, 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 go on explanations. And I was like, show. 
And they're like, the concept that you would believe that like just, it's just offered safety to insurance to when we go back into the circles, I think it's more of the insurance as people of color that we are always abreast and scared and in fight mode when we see lights lighter skinned people because we don't know if for a foe even like you know like we can't trust our own sometimes because they're trying to go ahead and you know what's the african-american proverb all skin folk ain't can folk exactly so like it's 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 one of those like it's one of those things that like i understand when people may feel ab- abrasive but it's just like but there's i made a conscious decision a long long time ago to not water myself down for who i was where i came from what i did because that would be erasing everything that my mom sacrificed for us to be here so so Ooh, my chest and also oh. every every time every white girl tried to bring me down, it was just a constant reminder. They don't want us. They don't need us. And I like how they're like, oh, we only don't like you. It's not that we're being racist. No, 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 no. You don't like people of color, immigrants, or anybody over the marginalized minority on top of you or on top. And like, and I will say Im- immigration came a huge subject when yeah. Trump came into office. Oh, yes. Because I not only saw you advocate for yourself. Oh, again. <laughs> yeah, again. But I also saw that you were advocating for other immigrants that were not Latinx, that were other nationalities, but immigrants. Like I think I, people think that immigrants just a, a word to use for Latin folks. And it's but not like it's global. Like when I when we were talking about the Black Lives Matters movement, I was like, okay, what are we doing for black migrants that are stuck in ice holding? And they're like, what do you mean? And I was like, people from Afro-Latinos, we have people from Africa, we have black people everywhere. I don't know if you know that. And um they're like, well they're not really black. And I was yes, like they yes they are. Do we all are- not watch in Canto? Cousin Canto, hey, talk that, about Bruno, no, one no. of the one of the one of the characters looked like me. I was like, damn, bitch. <laughs> so like it's it's this ideology that is only an issue across the border. It's only an issue. This there's like undocumented people from Canada. There's undocumented yeah. people from Ireland. There's undocumented people from Europe. And this is in like in Asia. And also, by the way, this is called continents. Continents that make up countries within them. They have people within them. I thought Africa was a country though, but I thought Africa was a country. Continent. Continents. I know. It's continent of Africa. <laughs> but like, okay, so and no, and Wakanda may or may not be there. We just we're just gonna pretend it does we, live. we don't we don't we don't talk about that. We <laughs> vibranium. <laughs> but like the other thing that you know your conversation you speaking up about immigration uh I will say for me, even like made me take a, a little bit more, more look at it. Cause I was reaching out to you regarding my students. Yeah. Remember? Because y'all, if people haven't been listening, I used to be a preschool and elementary school teacher along with the school admin. So when Trump was coming around talking about ice and everything and coming to these schools, I had to call Bella and be like, what the fuck do I do? <laughs> So in case you guys don't actually know what I do, so I'm an um 
So we do a couple of things. So I do free translation for immigrants that speak Spanish in indigenous languages so from Mexico and then from Mexico. And then um, I also do rapid response services. So when ICE hits communities locally, we provide food, fresh food, money, rent, assistance. Uh, we um, actually work with a multitude of organizations in Ohio to go ahead and get the people reunited with their families. Get um, Also, the, the, the long of it is we just help bring the people back and have them safe. And I, we do that on a constant basis. And also it's like we're running our own protection systems in multiple places. We're letting people understand what immigration law is and how it works and stuff like that. Also, um, a member of the Young Latino Network here in Cleveland, along with El Comité Mexicano, which are two organizations that are Latin-based, about um, along with M More Consulting, which is focused on helping Latinos, Afro-Latinos um, grow and occupy spaces that are usually more white-centered and talk about heritage and conservation for the midwest uh specifically northeast ohio historical mexican immigrant mexican um latino puerto rican cuban history within northeast ohio again bella is a bella of all trades a i, don't, I just don't sleep yo a they them of all trades i love it i love it i love it um one of the things that I wanted to discuss with you was you being non-binary and doing burlesque, your journey with that. And I appreciate that you post that, you know, like, hey, pronoun check, but I hate that you have to do it almost every two weeks. It's a, at this point, something I, I've, like, ca I've calculated it. I was just like, it has to be at least once a month. That my sibling is saying again, my pronouns are. It's like, ma'am. Um, they, so them. <laughs> being non binary. Um, so I got sober now almost three years ago. Congratulations. Um, something that I needed because um, a lot of people discount uh, mental illness and how alcohol plants to it. And then also that we can't. It's not that I can't handle my alcohol. It's that I was just starting to catch myself abuse alcohol. And I had a, um, so my birth father is and was a, a very violent alcoholic. And thank God that my stepdad stepped in, my stepdad, um, Manuel, I love him. Hi, dad. Um, and he's, he's the one that really inspired a lot of my self-healing along with my mom. But like, I found myself after I had my son with postpartum depression. It was so violent. And I was dealing with it with alcohol. So I could just go to sleep and quiet down, you know? And there was one day that I just gave my son to my husband. I said, I have to go because I'm not going to survive the night here. So I left and went to the ER, got pink slip, sent to um, a facility. And shout out to um, Highland Heights for taking such good care of me. Um, there they gave me, I also didn't understand at that point, the importance of having a brown or black therapist, an immigrant therapist, someone that can relate to what I was saying, didn't dismiss what I was trying to say. So I, I grew in that sense. And then I was like, you know what? Drinking doesn't serve me anymore. So that made me deal with demons that I would shut down. And a lot of them were with gender. So for the longest time, I have never found the word of non-binary as a thing. I was like, oh, I'm genderqueer. I'm queer. I know that I'm gay. But I've never had the luxury of coming out. I was actually outed. Um, 
because I was so far away from my parents, I could live two lives, right? And block features exist for individual people on social media. There's block lists that are specific. Some people see my status and some people don't because some business ain't your business. I see all of it. (laughs) Yeah, because you're special. (laughs) Also, and sometimes I call you and I don't put a status on it. Yeah, I'm about to say, or I get a text message or a call or a picture. (laughs) Right? And I was just like, hello. Uh... We need, we need a moment. We need a yeah. moment. So it's, it's like this economy and situation that like, uh, I was just like trying to talk about as a, a, a person discovering gender. And I never have seen myself as a woman or a man, because to me, I used to be a big tomboy. And then my mom's like, you have to wear dresses. And I was like, oh, fuck, this is why. and like, I was like, you will see the pictures back in the day of me just wearing black pants and a the fucking t-shirt of a band. And that, that was it. That was as far. And then like, I don't know, I fell in love with makeup and I was like, I can use makeup too. So I was like, I kept going back and forth and back and forth. And so I dated whoever I fell in love with. Mm-hmm. And so I already knew that I was part of the LGBTQ community in that manner. But you really couldn't say anything about who you were because then you started seeing people stop booking you, people stop working with you, especially back in the day when we were trying to occupy space. So I really like I didn't wander off to a place of safety that was offered to me, which was the beachland, because they didn't care who you were, they just carry you were there. So then a year after getting sober, I woke up and I it was like this heaviness I couldn't shake. Like my shoulders, my brain, everything was just like, I'm non-binary. My mistake was posting it online and not talking to my husband about it. But then we did. We're fine. We're good. Um, I had to explain to my family and my parents. When I was outed, my mom was like, well, you married a man. So it goes away. I was like, no. Uh, (laughs) I'm going to be like, hello. Um, But it's when I was outed. I remember specifically, it's like, oh, you mean you may be confusing this because English is difficult and you may be just not understanding it in English. And I still talk to that person to this day, by the way. What? Um, waiting for the proper moment. Um, but like, I was just like, but it's like, it was the funny thing. It was like all these white people trying to be like, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. I was like, uh, am I though? And can I just like figure out my own sexuality without you guys and my gender without you guys coming and having something to say? Um, or just be like, oh, you know, like if that's what's comfortable for you, that's great. That works for you. But like, this is another thing. Like when you're an immigrant and a person of color, they do not want you figuring out and loving yourself because then you gain power. So, and only white people have the the benefit of being queer. Only white people have the benefit. And like, I'm not saying there's a benefit because you're not discriminated on because we know how exactly everything goes. But like, it's almost cool to just be white and gay. That's expected. Mm-hmm. So there's some degree. Although like, I understand that a lot of our siblings are, you know, like have the issues having to do with your families and everything. So don't, I'm not discounting that whatsoever, but everybody has difficult experiences to go through, but being Brown and being gay and being black and being gay, being like being that is not, it's not easy. It's actually puts us in more danger into a certain extent. Like 
specifically somebody at once told me like why would you want to put yourself in that kind of peril and i was like but it was the it was you know what you know what category i did not want to put myself in being gluten intolerant I'd rather be gay. I'd rather be queer. But the moment that the doctor said you have issues with gluten, I was like, fuck you. I'm not. That's the moment that I was, I found out violently that I was allergic to shrimp. And then I knew nobody would ever like me ever again. I Um, am still shocked at that. I'm still shocked that you're allergic to shrimp. I'm upset for myself. So (laughs) I was just like, how am I going to make her, make, make them a crab boil? First of all, make it, make it for Knox Falls and just let me stare at you guys eating it. How am I going to make them a crab boil? I love seeing people eat things that I can't eat because like their joy. Meanwhile, I'm eating like, you know, another really good dish that they probably can't eat. So like, it's cool because I can just have tacos. And you already know how <laughs> I feel about that. They have a corn tortilla and yeah. I have gluten. So we good. You know how it's I, you know, I still, love, I still love my tacos. But the other thing of just, who you you definitely speak out about being non-binary a lot online and i'm thankful for that as for anyone that's with their queer journey you know mm-hmm. it's and that's the thing you're you, everything's a journey right everything's a journey everything is something that you can learn along the road and in in when you learn it, you can teach others by either actively teaching them and educating them or showing them. And you definitely, I'm telling you, there's so much that you have showed. And the fact that you are a non-binary, an immigrant, a amazing makeup artist, and a mama, a two. You're a parent. You're a whole parent. You're the- <laughs> I'm a whole ass parent. He's a whole parent. Okay. I'm over here like, excuse me. How is um, the balance of being a parent and and a performer and doing all of all of wearing all of these hats? Because I know, you know, the audience doesn't know that when I call you, there's three people on the phone. Me, you, and Joey. Uh <laughs> just like hello. You uh, to the point that Bella's kid has called me and left voice product placement. Calls. Product placement. Oh, we're gonna get into that as well. Yeah. Uh, but I, I need to know how do you how do you balance it? Like, how do you explain? Do, do does the oldest one know? Or yes, of course the oldest. Um, one the oldest one came out to me at a um, Forever Twenty One. Um, so they're. Why does it feel um, like that's the perfect place to come out at? Right? By the the music's one. loud. The fits are okay. <laughs> By the was, were you standing in line in a long-ass line? I, <laughs> I was like, I was concerned. I was like, can you get to the point? Because I'm, uh, I'm either f- going to find out if I'm going to find somebody to like whoop because of the story that they were trying to say because they were like taking the long road. And you're like, do I clutch? Do I per- what? What's What are you trying to say? And then they finally said it, but it's just like, I was like, and then I was just like, I had the pride parade every year. <laughs> I planned the thing like, hello. And they're like, and that was the first one that came up too. So like that made me happy. But like, I think it's like being a partner, being a mom, being a daughter, being like, because I don't think people understand that was like out of my 18, 19 year career, I had 
12 of those years taking care of my mom, taking care of other stuff. So it's like, it's this incomparable idea of having to be in multiple places at the same time. It's like Clark Kent, you go to one place and go to the other, and then you go to the other and you go to the other. And the thing that sucks is that nobody ever, you don't take care of yourself. Right. You plainly are there to exist and exist only for all these other people. And then on top of that, you have a career, you have a job, you have responsibilities, you have activism, you have all these things that you're keeping peace of yourself to. And I think the hardest part is like, I had to understand that people don't understand what it takes to make it. There was times that I couldn't go to a birthday party or a family gathering or fly across the country to see my mom because I was working. So people don't want to hold space to that because they're like, oh, you don't like, you know, you could, you could do the, you know, like whatever they say on, on the microphone because they're stupid. Like I had to sacrifice. We, a lot of us have had to sacrifice a ton to just be present with people around us. So when I tell people, I was just like, when I had to figure out how to be present for myself i didn't know how to um because i had to be present for my kids Mm -hmm. be present for my husband be present for everybody and now that like i have like it eluded me the thought that i needed the support of my community which i'd always had but i didn't know how to how to ask hey how do how do i do this so it was it was a lot So when we came to just balancing, it's having communication with a very understanding partner, Shadows by Pat McGrath. Uh, In case anybody, oh, that's what my uh, foundation is. Love Pat McGrath. Uh, um, But it was just like it was about all this, um, all this. It's like a juggling game, and you will never be good at it. But you you have to do just do the best every day, and like. Honestly, like, I know that I'm leaving a legacy to them. I know that I'm bringing food on the table for them. I know that I'm doing stuff for them and having the communication with my partner, which God bless him sometimes because, like, I can't even tell you how many times he's saved the day. Saved the day. While I'm, like, doing 30,000 other things um, around me. So it was, it was just, like... I don't know. It's it's. It feels like I'm in a constant. I have to get, be good at everything, but I know that I only have to be good at. Like, how would I explain it? Like, I want to be good at everything, but at the same time, I just want to give the love and time and affection to the people that need it, and I'll. It just sucks because you take care of yourself in the third person all the time. Correct. So, but like, I don't know. I gave myself as a mom. I don't think I couldn't. I know a lot of people are like, oh, you're a mom. I hate children, blah, blah, blah. Mind you, if I read that you don't like children, you most likely are not coming to Ohio. Um, (laughs) Because here's the thing. My children sometimes are at the show with me because... Do you know how expensive a sitter is? Um, my, my children are more likely in the house that you're staying in. 
like i just wonder like i i understand and respect those that don't want children whatsoever i was like go for you you'll be a great auntie but being a mom made me so selfless because i literally am owned by that little kid bingo so but like managing it sometimes sucks because they don't want you to leave they yeah don't want you to leave. Yeah, this the selflessness is I don't think a lot of people uh know what that is or feels like in in the world, to be honest. Yeah. You know, especially in our scene and what we do. Um the selflessness. Mm-hmm. There are there are the ones who get it because they are also sex workers. The girls and- that get it. Get it. Don't don't. Yes, the girls that get it, get it. And the girls that don't don't. But you know, when you when you have to give a piece of yourself, a huge chunk of yourself to someone else, you know, that's that's the way of the world. And you're just like, well, that's that's how the, this pie is cut, and that's how I'm gonna eat it. Well, but the, the thing that's more messed up, if anything, is like the people that say like, oh, you're neglecting your child because you're going stripping, blah, blah, blah. I was like, excuse me, I'm putting food on the table for my kids and paying rent and paying my bills. What is this so different between a nine to five? I'm still going to have to find a sitter. I'm still going to have to go kill myself at a job that I don't like. Why don't just do something that I do like, I do enjoy, brings me money and I can go ahead and do good at like. Yeah. I don't want to be a waitress for the rest of my life. I don't want to work in an office for the rest of my life. I was good doing this. I'm a business owner too. Like I had to make so many hard decisions in the amount of time. This does not taste good. In the amount of time that I had <laughs> that I had to sometimes because you some my um my coach said, my motivational coach said, you had to mourn what you had to do to survive. There we go. That you have to you have to mourn the things you're gonna do to survive. Like I couldn't go to college, so I had to mourn that I couldn't because a lot of people was like, "You didn't have to go to college. You don't have a degree. You can't be a business owner. You can't be a historian. You can't be this." Like, ma'am, hello, here you go. And I've gotten credentials and expertise and jobs and bookings that have experience. And people are like, "Oh, do you have a degree?" I was like, "Well, no." It's just like, "But you're the more qualified." And I was like, "I know." Doesn't it? That's a weird thing. You, you know, we talk about that a lot. I need, I, I really do need people to understand that Bella and I at least talk almost like once a week. Uh, we sometimes multiple, really weird. Sometimes multiple times a week. And if we don't, it's weird. Or we're really, or we have to send a text of I'm drinking water, which means I'm, a, I'm okay. I'm taken care of. Or, we, or the text was like, did you drink water today? Or did you drink water? Because now I'm worried. That's our code words. I drank water. I ate. Or did you drink water? Did you eat? And we need to know that from each other. Um, But the balance of it all, you Mm. know, is just intense and and beautiful all at the same time, you know? So you, you talk about grief. Yeah. And I know that you've suffered a major loss recently, and I felt that loss as well as someone that knows you and, and 
A lot of things like people's worst nightmares and and those that have very healthy relationships with their parents, actually. Yeah. How are you, how, how does grief go hand in hand with your burlesque right now with your life right now? I know that's a, that's a very Uh, heavy (laughs) question, but it's an important question because it's it's an important question of who I am right now. Um, a lot of people were like, why are you surprised that this happened? You know, it's going to happen. I was like, it still happened. You know, like you can never. never be prepared for the loss of your mother. And I don't think some people understand what it is to have a, a loss this magnanimous in their life. Because some people are like, well, they just died, you know? And like, because everybody deals with that differently, especially like ethnicity wise, race wise, people deal with death very differently. Yeah. And all, like a lot of people are so uncomfortable around grief and all that. And like people get uncomfortable and like leave your side because they're like, we can't. And I was like, that's fine. I, I respect that. I'm just not, not here for you right now. So when my, my work fell back, I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie. I owe some, I owe some people costumes, which I already feel horrible about. Because I had to literally drop everything during a Omega 3, um, during a panorama, pan, Panasonic pan, television, to go to my mother who was being put in hospice. Prior to that, um, almost suddenly, I lost my aunt, Chila. Mm-hmm. Um, I lost Marinka, which I haven't even processed. There's no space in my mind to process there. Yeah, we, um, I, I don't, I don't, yeah, you and I haven't had that conversation either. Yeah. They, I, I, can't, I, I refuse to process it right now because I, I, I legitimately can't, and it's coming up here soon. So yeah. it was, it was this, it was this thing that I knew that was going to happen, but it didn't seem real because you know what? Like people are like, have faith. There will be a miracle. There will be this. There will be that. You can try this other, um, this other chemotherapy that really helped, or you know, like change diet for for this yada yada you know and you think and you think and you like pray and you plead and you beg for something to be different and you go through and you think it's going to be different and it's not then um i got called talked to her talked to her doctor we knew that there was not nothing like to do like the chemo was killing her from the inside out so i wasn't going to put my mom through that my mom was trying to put herself through that and i was like can you brenda <laughs> right i love having you like calling our parents for our first friday birthday her name is mona so like, like mona. but like it was it was this thing where you know i knew that it was i had to go there was a very very deep conversation that was had and because whenever my family saw me take off and go they would take off and go so this was there was the point and um i i like to tell people that don't remember we were in the middle of a pandemic things were just starting to open up a little bit but my mom was one of those individuals Mm-hmm. that could not go outside and you like, can't yep, get around yep. so i had to struggle to find a vaccine prior to me leaving i was able to because a bunch of my 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 friends were like hey there's space here there's space here there's space there right so i was able to to, to grab one before i left my husband already had one because he was a, a um a frontline worker but like 
And then my daughter came with us, my son, and we drove, literally drove cross country in 24 hours. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. So, and I emailed a bunch of people. I was like, hey, I have to, you know, I have to stop on your commissions. So there was like a, a couple of people. Um, actually, I had decided to stop commissions before that because there's this problematic thing that happens where people feel like they own you because they pay you for a commission especially white folks and i was like i know i'm behind and also like we were running out of i was running out of fabric there was no way that i could find all this stuff that like and i was just like well you know damn so that's why i was just like i can't do this right now i have to focus on on something different and all this other stuff right right but like the getting there seeing her spending two months with her um, I had to shout out to all my friends that picked up for me, like shows and events. <laughs> and like, you know, you, you, st- you still got a cameo there, which was <laughs> my mom was like, hi, Tony. There's a lot of people that understood the issue, but like when it came, it was fast. Take it and- Take your time. Just did my makeup, bitch. I can't cry. I know. I know. Um, sibling. But when me. it came, it was fast. And I, people helped us pay for her funeral services because I don't think people knew how affected everything was. Like, I lost a year from trying to see her. The year prior was like chaotic AF because my sister got COVID. She almost freaking died. Mm-hmm. It was ridiculous. Um, and then she got pregnant and had her little nugget. Like, my mom held on to life so she could meet that baby. But, like, when it came, it came fast. And it was confusing. But Luisa Encanto, the oldest, you have to, you know, I had to take a role in my family. And that was to, my dad couldn't do it. My sister couldn't do it. I had to manage the funeral. I had to yell at people. But this is where burlesque really came into it. And I flipped the switch. I had a PDF uh, file of notes, uh, things that I had to ask. I had a whole sheet in um, docs of things that I put together. Um, I had everything to ask and, and more. And I, I wasn't letting the funeral home essentially uh, dupe us whatsoever, which they sure tried, Jan. But uh, how do you like me now? It's one of those things with <laughs> with funerals. I need people to understand that that's still an event as well. Oh, for event planning. Yeah, when I took my event planning classes, I was taking pe- classes next to people who were opening funeral homes. Yeah. So, and it's, it's also the, the thing is too, it's it's a different thing when you're planning your own mother's, you know, funeral. And not only that, you're having this um, situational awareness of of what you have to do and that you can't let anybody down because that's different, you know, and you can't risk being weak because now you're the oldest. Now that you're the one that has to make decisions, now you're, you're this, 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 and that. And you're like, and this is the thing that for 12 years I was indoctrinated to and i had to accept because you know what i'm not gonna let down my mom so it was 
there's so much stuff to deal with around death. And of course, we were just opening up. We just had our sh like shows coming up. And I was telling my co-producer, I was like, hey, I'm not going to be able to to perform in these we're going to produce and whatever then the girl's like absolutely now you have to get on stage my my troop members made like my costumes um i don't remember being on stage but i know there was pictures of it so it was this this thing right that i feel like a spice girl right now but like you look great <laughs> but it was like this thing where i like i had to take brain after of the i didn't have time because I also had to go back to pick up mom's clothes. We had to figure out what was going on in the house and life insurance. And we had to go ahead and talk to the doctors and like to hospice. And we had to go ahead and find her accounts and like stuff with immigration too, that we had to send them letters of her passing and then like let everybody know that didn't know to do know and dealing with my own grief. And then there is people that will back up from you and don't want to have anything to do with you. And then there will people that will come up to you and have, you know, and want to talk to you and want to be there. And then there will be people that will be like Uber food for no reason, which was my favorite. Thank you. Um, because I wasn't eating. So like, and then you have to also be a mom, be a business owner, be a person having the context and stuff like that. And it was a lot. And I would like, like, I still don't understand how I sold out four shows for, through that time and how I even was able to, to get on stage where like my friend said, the only thing that can save you right now and can distract you is this. So yes. this is what our job is. So a lot of friends jumped in, handle social media. There's friends coming over, clean my house, taking care of my son, my husband, my husband single-handedly saved Christmas. Um, my partner just did everything like send me to the funeral make sure i arrived i unfortunately missed my mom um i got to say goodbye over the phone which a lot of people are like well you know blah 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 and i was like and it's like almost weird because some people are like oh so sad that you didn't catch her and i was like but and like the little tiny like awkward microaggressions that were were part of it were like so weird to me um because people don't know how to behave around death like even me not me putting boundaries um those days that i couldn't that i knew i had stuff to do i couldn't get up the the things i could get i was in remote control i could get up to feed my kid and take care of my kid because i had to that's a responsibility i had to do and i know my mom would be like uh but like there's still three months to the day um especially when you win especially when you have celebration especially like because it was my mom passed october 8th mm -hmm. and then my birthday and i was just like christmas i'm like um also through christmas i got covid so i was just like Anything else? <laughs> know, I'm not claiming that. I'm not claiming that. I know <laughs> what you're telling Louisa that you're so strong, but I, me and you have already talked that I am here when you're ready to break. Please come to New York. Oh, no, like I've already yeah. broken. I, I broke. I know, but I know, but you know oh. that I know that more is coming. You know, as someone that has dealt with death a lot, more is coming. And I'm just like, you, you, and, you know, a lot of our conversations was, I'm here for your comic relief. 
what do you need? You like, know, like, hey, <laughs> I'm here for like you. My friend Marielle, I think I called my friend Marielle that day. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, tell me the truth. How bad is this going to be? She's like, you're going to be walking in darkness for some time. And one day it's just going to be sunshine. You're going to be angry. You're going to be upset. You're like, it's not going to come all at once. It's going to be waves. The next year is going to be the most difficult year of your life. And as soon as you remember something, you're going to cry. You're going to be angry. You're going to punch the pillow. You're going to be upset. You're going to be hyper vigilant about what people say about your mom. And like, she, she lost her husband and she like, she essentially let me have, let me have it. And I am so freaking thankful to her because she really didn't lie to me. And That's didn't manual. Like, yeah. We need she the didn't. manual. Where's the manual on this? Exactly. And she was a person that was like, hey, this is going to happen. But this like moments like this, like over joyous moments, you can't, you can't, I, every moment something good happened. I called her and I was like, hey, you know, and she would be so proud. Like when I was in American Pickers last year, she was glowing. Everybody knew in her circle that her daughter, that there, that was still her daughter. Like, okay, so child wasn't it? Yes. So what? What people also don't know is, um, did I get around? Yes, (laughs) Bella does get around. But Bella and I also have a very unique spiritual connection. Our, our family. Our ancestors talk to each other. We don't know how. We don't know. (laughs) But totally having a kiki a hundred percent of the time without aware. What was it? We Bella was calling me for good news. And at the but I was busy with something. And I was like, just give me a moment. Just give me a moment. And then at the same time, I got a knock on the door from my landlord. Of a card that Bella had <laughs> sent me. And it was at the same time. And all of a sudden, I just went, Mona, you need me to talk to your child. <laughs> this I called correct. you right after. And I was correct. like, I, I truly believe that my mom does go visit people that I love. Yeah. And everybody that I love. Um, it's the way I was just like, your mama telling me to call you right now. <laughs> And it was important. And it um, was important. And I you know, picked the phone and I answered and we chatted. And it was just one of those things where I am happy that spiritually our we're connected in this unique, amazing spiritual. It's weird because I was just like, uh, I need to go to New York or I need to go get Dominican Furotasones because like something's up with Gigi. Yeah. yeah. And then if something's yeah, if something's wrong with me, Bella would just go, Hey, something told me to call you. Like, I'm ma'am. calling you right now. Yeah. <laughs> but the situation is what right so i'm just i'm just thankful that you shared grief you know honestly like one thing that i'm gonna i'm gonna leave the grief thing on is um you can't tell somebody how to act what to do how to feel where to come from what what the background's gonna be because we all deal with grief extremely differently and to me as being high functioning like to me is waking up, putting a face on, making sure that things are done, like getting lost in work and, and stuff like that and, and getting together with some days and others, I'm just falling apart because grief is not an angular thing that just like all happens at once it happens within, within time. And especially like I saw a lot of projections of people, toxic relationship with their parents. And that's, I was like, Hey, I get that you didn't have a great mom. 
but you had a mom still. And I understand that the, the difficult conversations that you have to have with that mom and all that. But like, hey, I just lost my best friend. I need you to hold space for the fact that I can and you can, in fact, grieve relationships in this manner and let me grieve in the manner that I can. Because a lot of people are like policing my grief. A lot of people is like, well, you can't be sad and the show can't always go on and this and that. And I was like, my mom made me promise 100 million percent that I had no choice but to keep going. Yeah. And do I, am I going to lay down my mother? No. 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 Like, well, that's really toxic. I was like, you know what? Not a lot of us. And that's another thing. Like, I understand that we have to do self-care. I understand that self-care is a privilege. Yes, very much so. And a privilege we get to take in a decision we get to take to for, for self-healing and self-privilege. But like having a moment by yourself, breathing alone could mean me going and attacking a, a tub of salsa with some chips and calling that my breakfast or lunch or dinner and then going forward and finishing laundry. And like, I have house duty still. I have, I have a life outside of burlesque. I have a life inside of burlesque. I have, I have a status. And like, honestly, honest to God, like yesterday I was like, so happy. It was like almost magnanimous the way that it happened yesterday. I've been feeling down and stuff. So I was like, you know what? You know, this, I was supposed to go to my friend's um, exhibit, which I missed, which I'm going to go to before it closes. Um, but it was just like, it was an unplanned thing, little celebration family had. And I was like, okay, cool. I'm like, I guess I guess I can't leave, you know, because family, family. And we ordered Mexican food. So, of course, I had to walk my, uh, <laughs> my white family through the Mexican food ordering. <laughs> they did great. They did great. We got to the rest, and Michael said that he got to the restaurant, and he knows all white girls. And I was like, "What? Served no purpose." Uh, <laughs> but we got the we we got the food. The goods were good, but mm. like it was it was just like I think now with grief and everything, I think that my mom is laying moments above above me and taking. She sees the blocks that I had that we couldn't see here, and she sees it up there, and she's like, "Oh." move that <laughs> so i feel like she she planned this because she knew what was about to happen yesterday mama ma mother knows <laughs> you know i will always say that mother, mother knows. knows a mother always knows uh and and by a mother always knows like even the mother connection always yeah. Yeah, knows, you know, even I, you know me i'm not a i'm not a parent but i know when something's amiss yeah, I I do have that mom like, energy when like something's wrong. So we also pack crackers, right? So, <laughs> You're so, diabetic. Do you need something, sweetie? Here's some food. Here's some food. So let's get into celebration. Yesterday, yeah. uh, which it was January seventh, the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> Wait, why? Okay. Sister, my question to you are you going to be top 10, top 5, or number motherfucking ones? Because you were on this day. Did they just release the rest of the. I, no, I don't think they did, but our. This is the third time that I have spoken about this particular performer in this podcast. Samson texted me, and I guess the next round is out. Hold on, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. Everyone is asking right now, or am I going to be top 10, top, top five, or number motherfucking ones? Because 
<laughs> this list is such a stress out sometimes because I'm just like, what's happening? I don't understand what's happened. It's such a confusing situation. Oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. Is it out? Here. Yes. It's out. It's out. Oh. Okay. We're going <laughs> to, hold on. We're going to, I'm going to pause the recording. Okay. So. Speaking of just celebrations, <laughs> the times, the, the, you, you were celebrated yesterday, January the 7th, uh, yeah. 2022 as number 24 on the top 50 burlesque list of 2021. First of all, um, what I love, I love stories of how people find out. How did you find out? So I went over to my husband's family's house because we were having a little family get together and um, it turned into more like let's order food and memorial thing, like family thing. It was just a family. So Ruby Spencer from Chicago, my girl, she never calls me and she needs to. There's only some people that I answer my phone for. Like you all have the same animal crossing, uh, like, ringtone that and that's yeah. what i answer to and then uh people that i don't want to answer to have like that from mario yes. when you went into the castle whatever so like i dabble in some video games so she calls me and she's like i go and answer because she not, never calls me right so and then she's like have you been in the internet as of late and i was just like huh and then my mind is like who died <sighs> You know, because that's kind of like the times, right? You know? And then I was like, what happened? Who died? What's going on? What's the situation? Like, is everybody okay? And she's like, no, no, no. It's nothing like that. Everybody's okay. Like, have you been on your phone? I was like, no, I'm with family. And then she's like, you have to go look at the list right now. You have to go look at the list. And I was like, oh my God, did you make it? Like, you know, I was just like, did you make it? I was so excited for her. And I was like, did Bibi, did CEO? And I was just like, did this person I don't like make it? Uh, <laughs> Susie on trip. Um, and I was just like, I go and I couldn't open it because you can't open it from like the link on Holly's profile, like on 21st Century Burlesque profile. Yes, that's what I'm saying. I keep having problems trying to get the link. And it happened last year. So too. I opened it on Chrome and I'm going down going down and i was like okay so it's probably one of my friends right and she's like really excited i was like well shimmy already made it. i was like is it Gigi? and i can see Gigi, and like i'm like keep going um i started jumping screaming crying and my family thought i had seen a mouse first of all in my mother-in-law's house would never a mouse would announce itself before walking into that clean house wait a minute i like you said a mouse would never (laughs) a mouse would never so a mouse would announce itself at the door and ask and ask for like you know some sort of uh some some sort of entry (laughs) and she would probably give him a treat says call him a name be really good so i started screaming and jumping and crying and i was just like oh my god oh my god oh my god like it didn't connect and i was like and she was actually in backstage waiting to go on at her show that she stopped what she was doing she was already ready she's literally about to go up calling me and i was so happy because it was like the most like the most genuine moment to share with a friend right 
So I was like, let me call you back. I have to call my dad. And they're asking me, what's going on? What's going on? Michael's annoyed. They went to go pick up dinner because it was done and I was supposed to go with them, right? Because right. Was, I collected the, the, the order, the whatever. So I'm like, I'm in Burlesque Stop 50. I'm in Burlesque Stop 50. So I couldn't, un- I had to come down for a moment and I called my dad because the first person would be my mom, but I called my dad. And I was like, dad. I'm in Burlesque Top 50. And he's like, I almost didn't answer the phone for you for something. Your mom told me to. And he was so Mona be telling us. I know. My mom is like up here. Um, And then like, he's like, I'm so proud of you. Oh my God, this is amazing. Yada, yada. And I was just like, I was like, oh my God. Ah." So I come out and they're like, well, what is it? What is it? And I explained to them as the global top 50 list that is chosen by our peers, fans, and like networks and individuals is a really big deal because I've never been on it. And this essentially is something that, you know, I was, I was like, you know, talking to people about it and everything. And I showed them a picture, which I was like, I love that picture of me, particularly from Behoff when I was there in 2017 for Movie Shakers and Innovators. So like, that was a nice, uh, honey beavers. Thank you. Um, with my, with my sombrero. And I was just like, out of nowhere, it was like you and like a bunch of other people were freaking blowing up my phone and I just couldn't compute what just had happened. They get there with the food and I'm like, I'm hungry. So literally it's almost like my mom planned it. Like, let's go to your family's house so you can spread this joy with them and have this experience with them and happiness and have tacos <laughs> with your family because I know that I'm not here. So I'm going to give you this. And I was just like, this is way too, this, this was way too coincidental, you know, again, two coincidental connections, right? Connections. So, when I, I'm not going to lie. When I saw it, my brain immediately went after call Bella. And then when I called people, you and you answered on the first ring, you just went, bitch. That's how, that's, <laughs> I, I don't understand that people don't understand like the different tones of bitch. And I think that's yes. like, some people just I knew exactly what you meant. Don't understand that the, the, the satin language of different increments of bitch. Yes. So some people get really you said, they're like, bitch, why did you call me? I was like, as in bitch, hey bitch, hi, hey, hey bitch. Hey, no, when you bitch. said bitch, you know, bitch, and I just went, congratulations. <laughs> Rita DeLevain called me crying, and I was crying, and I was just like, and a lot of people are like, you deserve this, you've been working so hard for it. It's like, but then like the panic sets in. You, yeah, let's talk about that panic. You're confused. And you're like, what the fuck happened? Like, what the hell did I do? Like, hello, bibbidi-bobbidi, what the fuck? So, like, (laughs) I'm over here, like, uh, somebody explains that you're baffled, confused. Like, like, then you immediately, like, panic. Because you're like, uh, how? Like, I think people have to understand how many boats you have to get to get into these lists. They're, they're within the hundreds of two thousands and understanding that people support you that much. You're making my nerves. You're panics. making my nerves so bad You're right gonna now. You're going to be in the top 10. You're going to be in the top 10. It's not we right. And like, it's the, it's the, it's the thing. Like if the federal government is listening to this, we're not rioting towards you. We're rioting to somebody else. Um, like, <laughs> Hello. But it like it was it was this thing that I just like couldn't compute because like through 18 years in industry for me, this was unattainable. So was Behoff to me. And like, can we talk about Viva? Viva Las Vegas? 
Yeah. Can I, can I say that? Yeah. Well, there's a couple of things that I think by the time that you release this podcast will be out there. So, which I don't know when you're releasing this, but I don't care at this point. So like the, the, the day prior, well, early, uh, early in the week, I called you and um, I actually applied to Miss Beavis Vegas because my mom's like, you know what? Why not? So I submitted and I ended up as alternate. And that to me, <laughs> this is the same story as Behalf. When I applied to Behalf, Movie Shakers and Innovators, I was an alternate. And within a day, I ended up as part of Movie Shakers and Innovators. So I was just like, <gasps> so I'm a I'm an alternate to a point that I have to pay attention and prepare because you know I may be competing in Miss Vegas, which is I huge. need you to be. You know, if you, you know, if you stay ready. You what? You ain't got to what? Worry. No, if so, you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. So, so, so I'm on that. So like, and then like a couple of days ago, we, sh- we walked away from a show that we had a, a regular residency for the last five years. It didn't serve me anymore. It like, we weren't seeing eye to eye. It was this whole other thing. And I was like, I wasn't really mourning the opportunity because I was ready to go. Like, I was like, ah, okay. They see us as numbers. And these numbers that I delivered, even though I delivered multiple sellouts are not enough for them because we're getting paid our worth into them. We're probably easier taken as cheaper somewhere else and quite honestly i'm going to call it right now they're probably going to replace us with an all-white show and we were the only poc show there mm. they got rid of the only show that had people of color in it and was ran by people of color the rest of the shows are ran by white folks one of them being my sibling and i love them and i'm not going to cost them their space because you know some of us have to talk about people needing to work right now so well this is me mm. it's funny but then, but then but then but then number 24 but then um an opportunity came in a in a very unique way where we were offered in this and this is huge to me we were offered the akron goodyear theater which is a 1400 seat real theater in Akron, Ohio, which was where we started. And it's almost like full circle, right? Because we are actually booking a large venue for our 20th anniversary in 2024. So this is like a great moment. And they're coming in as partners. They're coming in as people to help us actually build the show. So like this situation with with the with that is just like multiple things have accumulated and I like in my mind just exploded. Because first of all, like when I first saw the first 30, I was just like, for sure. I'm done. Like I made peace with not being in it. Cause it was like, you know what? I know that I'm influential. I know that what I do. And I, I want to reiterate that for everybody out there, you are influential. If you're book and busy, you're influential. Oh, wait, wait. Uh, I'm sorry. Who said her. that? But who said that to you? You. Uh, <laughs> if anybody is wondering what's happening right now, we're mimicking our eyes against each other. We're mimicking our eyes against each other. <laughs> Other because Spotify listeners, me and Bella definitely <laughs> do this. Like, you, yeah. said that. you said the, that. The X <laughs> Miss Stare, the drag queen, like blink, um, totally blink. and like so. It was it was just like this confusion. So as the night progressed, um, of course, I sat down to eat and put my phone away, um, and just tried to be in the moment, right? And then like the immediate like I can't call my mom. Mm. And then I was just like, wait, but she's here and she's listening. And this is probably her doing. So then like, I came home and I was like jittery, jittery as fuck. I was talking to Ruby Spencer the whole time. 
and like going back and forth with friends and stuff like that and like sending it to my family i sent it to my family i i was like we did it we did it we did it because they voted like there was a bunch of people in mexico and south america and caribbean so um they were paying attention then the people that support me a lot here i sent it to them and they're like yes you know so like it really warmed my heart that Comité Mexicano shared the picture of it saying this, like, it's a, it's a pride to, to have this. And I was just like, that makes me so happy, you know, because the they picture, have such support locally. The picture of you with the Mexican. That's, that's one of my favorite. Like a sombrero. Ever. I was just, I, when that I, was I'm going to that was my tears from Garibaldi. So it was, just it, like was it was definitely a pride yeah. moment. So, but here's the thing when then you go what now remember <laughs> that was okay as someone who has been on it for the first time last year and now we are waiting to see where i'm at this yeah year. uh we will find out soon um but but i the question is what now bella honestly more I tacos I, yes um but like here's here's the thing like last night i had to drink some tea have some mexican wedding cookies um and take a bath and calm down my brain because then you start thinking about all these things but then you start like missing the point because i I kept telling people and i very publicly have said this it's time for me to be selfish it's time for me to look inward i'm not talking about selfish just like my like my connections with people my friends my family my my activism or anything it's just like i've been taking care of somebody for 12 years and like looking after all this other stuff for 12 years it's okay for me to just have some time to mourn in some time to space like i can't wait to get all these commissions done and all these orders out so i can just focus on me and focus on what i want to do in my own space in my own time because like when i tell you that i actually was building a costume that i sent out a couple days ago i was actually crying on the costume because I was I was having so many feelings about like I was like I still have to work because of course your costume that you're building somebody else's um and like we live in this capitalist society and like of course these costumes are a year late some of them more and of course I feel like accountability moment I feel horrible but like I couldn't control what happened you know and how do you become um the person that can go ahead and fix that you know it's like it's really difficult now of course i send extras and all that and i'm so sorry but like a long time ago before all this happened because of a white woman taking advantage of me i stopped wanting to make things for other people because i'm not somebody's employee i'm not somebody's property and the way that i was talked to by these people was heinous you know like you see behind me there's like you and the people don't see my house people don't see the state that it was through a certain point you guys don't understand what depression like i already have depression i'm starting to stay sober and then all these good things are happening as i lost my mother three months ago how do you expect me to feel about success when the person that i share success with is no longer here with me and i can't i don't think people understood how trivial my mom was to me certainly how important she was but like i sat and talked to her because my husband put this beautiful shelf in the living room for her where we keep her we kept a little bit of her ashes we have a picture gorgeous glamour shot she took my grandmother's cane and everything up there and i just like said thank you and talked to her for a little bit then i went to the bedroom and of course my son and my husband are spread out on the bed so i was like not even bothering took my mexican blanket my cobija and went and fell, <laughs> fell asleep in my daughter's room because she's at grandma's so but like i had to calm down my brain 
Because the first thing I did when I woke up this morning, I didn't really have a lot of sleep. The first freaking thing that I did this morning is went to ran to check if it was real. Yeah. And yeah. I, like, I, I definitely, there. I kept checking mine. I kept checking. I kept staring at it. Um, I didn't understand to where when I would call y'all and do other podcasts, y'all would be like number 40. I'd be like, who are y'all talking about? Uh <laughs> So it's, it was just like this sentiment of like, how do you celebrate when you're grieving? How do you celebrate when you're, when you're, you're having all these things weigh on you? And like my bosses, my like associations that I was with friends, the most beautiful messages started flooding in. And like, you start asking yourself if you're worthy because like, you don't do what you do. I don't do what I do for recognition. I do what I do because it's necessary. Bingo. It's not about me. Like I keep talking about legacy work a lot in my in my work because if we're not here to pave the way and really open doors and like put stuff forward and yell and screech and make sure that we are heard, we're not doing anything. And anybody does any any amount of work. I tell people, especially in activism, I was like, I do not need any attention activism. I am here because I want to do it and I have a large platform to do it and raise awareness too. Like with the Norwalk stuff, all that stuff we raised because I was Bellison from Burlesque World. The Burlesque World knew me. I was I, I brought was brought up and got fame through that. I was like a celebrity, a local Cleveland yeah. celebrity, whatever. So I use my platform for better. And like, there's been times that I used it for, for some stuff that is questionable. Which you know, you know what? Some sometimes I fuck up because I'm a human. That's period. But like the holding myself accountable is important. Having friends will hold you accountable. I don't know what happened to having a conversation with a person you have a problem with and seeing how, if you can solve it privately and then move forward before doing a, a, a call out or anything. Now everybody's like, we're going to, and like, I don't know how effective call out culture is anymore because we still have people that are problematic working, you know? And then of course, like, you start thinking about the counting itself and in the back and the history of it. And then you start like, deducing things as a person and you just you just start and one of my friends is like just enjoy it yes because also i have a hard amount of trauma in enjoying things that happen in my career because of white women being jealous and trying to tear me down and this is the thing like i'm in a different path from i'm not trying to be better than anybody else i'm just trying to be better for me I'm in competition with me. So next year, like if God willing, you know, Dart Lord, Dart, Dart Lord here be with us, um, I can go ahead and get 23, you know, you know like, I'll be yeah. happy. But like, it's, it's a fact that I keep reminding people, I have a book written about me. Yeah. In my work. I have, um, Rust Belt Burlesque. I, I, one of the other things, and I, I, I know we, you and I've been chatting, chatting Cathy's, as Brenda would say, but like you and I also share something in the fact that we are both historians and we are self-taught historians. And you have just an impeccable book collection that I cannot wait. Uh, I have a problem. Yes, uh, but I know it's it's a grip, it's a good problem to have. And not only are you a historian, you're also an archivist. I'm saying all of these things because I want people to understand why Bellison is number 24. Why Bellison is an influential person. 
Bella Sid was on American Pickers. That's so crazy, isn't it? It's <laughs> crazy for burlesque artifacts. So I have a very hefty collection of burlesque memorabilia and books and stuff like that. I just don't tell people about it because people don't want to listen to burlesque history stuff. And those that do, like, they have their attention for 20 minutes and then they're like, well, that's nice. But no, um, you, well, you know, you have my attention and uh, BB Parkdale's attention. <laughs> More as so, long like, as you can allow us, right? But like to to be honest with you, like the whole historian thing, I think like going full circle, like I got published in a library's journal talking about historian stuff. I don't just do burlesque history; I do other types of history because I'm a historian and that and that expect because I'm trying to find out where I fit in all of it. And this is why I think it's important for people to understand the recognition comes from, like, I like to think that I'm actually a good dancer and like a customer and I do go on stage and I entertain people and I have my off nights like everybody, but like, I like to think that I'm good at something, right? I'm good at taking my clothes off and it's great, but I'm like, I like to say, I was like, I'm definitely not a talker. That's why I'm a stripper. Uh, (laughs) But like, it's, we can be intellectuals people of color we can be immigrants we can we can be i can be brown i can be blue i can be violet i can um tick has taken over this conversation so many times but like we can be all these incompetence individual things and i what i love about you is you being in the library of congress and like not more, more people talking about that i was just like did you know Gigi? this is i'm gonna bring out my mic here my blue yeti did you know that Gigi holiday Gigi Christmas is in the Library of Congress in Washington, D.C. And you should all go read that immediately because it's very important. Also, did you know Bibi Bardot? Bibi Bar fucking do. It is a librarian and is currently writing a book about black burlesque performers and shake dancers. And they're very smart. They have degrees from like the coulash. They have degrees from the coulash. And then, and then, and then, and then, I may not have a degree in the coulash, but God knows I, I don't have a degree. Beauty's the only one with the degree. I think you have a degree. You had a degree from Coolash from being a bad bitch, but <laughs> you're still in the Library of Congress. You're still in the Library of Congress. But, okay? okay, but we need to tell people how you called me and went, Did you did you know you're the Library of Congress? I said, Yes. yes. <laughs> and then you were just like, How come nobody knows about it? I said, Oh no, I said it on Facebook because just nobody listened to me. And then <laughs> And then I posted, did you know Gigi Holiday's in Library of Congress? <laughs> Congress. <laughs> and Everybody they smart like, strippers. <laughs> Everybody was like, what? <laughs> but along with your, you know, the you're also someone that I love how we just like, are you in the Library of Congress? Do you know you in the Library of Congress? Yes. Oh, yes. How do you know that I'm in the Library of Congress? Like how internet. did you know I'm in the Library You know, most of these realizations come at three o'clock in the morning. Yes. So I don't think people and understand like, that we're talking. That's, yeah. that's just how it happens though. We're texting and talking late at night. But like, not only with the, okay, here's my thing. With the historian stuff, you really do tie the past to the present and what the future should and will be. You know, I'm glad that you're saying that we're all these multiple faceted things because we, we we are. And, we and, you, the and you embody that. You embody all of it to me. Costuming, 
Um, also, before I forget, now, I'm gonna... I, I do good costumes because I don't want to talk shit and I just go put rhinestones on my costume. True. But this also, is what really I'm relaxing. This is what oh, I'm going to okay. say. I'm going to grab my mic and say this. Ellison also has their own makeup company. Highlight by eyeliner by Sin Cosmetics. Like House of Sin Cosmetics. Yes. House of Sin Cosmetics. So, and literally put that out and <laughs> yeah look look have the girls gagging <laughs> have the girls gagging Gag. i think that the best uh so far uh compliment and review i've received is that um, my lipsticks are blow drop proof um i don't know how to market that but i will did you hear that full service girls <laughs> and boys and those who have not yet decided or don't care to, care to choose so it's um so I should let people know about my dark, deepest, dark secret. I actually used to um, be an esthetician. So I went to school to become a makeup artist esthetician because that was like my first love. I tried to go to college for fashion design, but I really didn't work because I couldn't, I didn't know that I could go to college and help my mom uh, with a job and stuff like that because I had two or three jobs helping my mom. We were trying to survive in this country. So of course I had to pick. And then um, I came to Ohio, decided to become an esthetician because I was like, why not? It makes sense. And I always wanted to do it. So I formulated my own makeup formula. So that means that I am a science bitch. Um, so one big thing about the the things that I was um, messing around with was lashes. I could never find lashes good enough. Like the 301s were too plasticky for me. I needed something that was like synthetic, but I could wear the different eye shapes and stuff like that. And I'm not a fan of wearing real mink lashes. No hate to anybody does, but I just, I just wanted something else. And also, um, because I'm aware of all the labor abuse that happens because again, immigrant, I know how much people are, get paid at sweatshops and stuff like that. Cause I was one of those people. So I wanted to make sure it was like fair labor, fair trade, um, especially with all the issues with cosmetics, especially with mica. Mica is that little glittery thing that you see in cosmetics. People don't know how somehow that the mica collected in some factories is actually collected by children in India that work in horrible conditions and actually die trying to go ahead and get this little shiny dust from the earth. And that's one of the biggest conversations because people are like, oh, no, I don't want it to have talk because blah, 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 asbestos. And I was like, well, actually, there's two types of extraction. And like you start going down the rabbit hole, right? It's the same people that say E6000 is toxic. In the state of California, there is a particular rule that says that certain items that cost, could, can cause cancer will be all in the same broad category that includes e6000 if you have an actual um, allergy or sensitivity to chemical smells that will probably be the allergy that you should be paying attention to i don't know if you're licking the bottle licking your fingers after buying you know wash your hands i don't understand what you're doing but in this list also includes in that limited to hormones mattresses books <laughs> daily cleaning supplies, wigs, synthetic paper, which I don't understand what synthetic paper means, but sure, Jan, go off. Anyway, I'll get down from my laps. Anyway, so like... I love how we're both doing the Bailey Sarian warning. This <laughs> like it comes to the right I, like, it's, it's like, ma'am, but like, 
when you understand chemical formula, you understand, you understand a lot of stuff. And when you look into how these things are made, a lot of people say that like, they don't want to support fast fashion. Sometimes we have to, because we don't have like, as people of color, sometimes we don't have the money. And like, and if we know how to sew, sometimes the goods are more expensive than buying them somewhere. Or if you're a plus size person, sometimes you can't find something, but it's just like in the cosmetic industry, you have the ability of supporting somebody that actually has a link where you don't have to support work like this towards children. So it's one of the things, the biggest things that was into my brand now. Also, I wanted to make things for people with encumbrances and also disabilities. They couldn't hold things. Um, a lot of our stuff is square mm -hmm. because um, usually you can't hold something correctly. How will people will think it's correctly? Um, because you have a disability. So these don't roll off your tables. And like it's the plainest, it's the plainest tube of like lipstick and cheap that i could get that's in recycled material but like it doesn't roll off your table you can stand it you can hold it you can go ahead and put it against putty you can use it and even the doe foot itself was another thing like you have to have a different amount of ability to hold en enough product in a doe right. foot that you can put that's normal enough for everybody and friendly for everybody to use also hyperallergenic makeup which a lot of people don't think about that i have my mom she couldn't wear a lot of makeup which she was a makeup lover because some makeup actually caused a reaction with her skin with her chemo. And some of them that was lipsticks or lashes, lash glue. So if anything, if you're going to be complaining about E6000 and you're using a um, adhesive that has uh, formaldehyde in it, I don't want to hear it because some adhesives, some adhesives have formaldehyde in it. And that's the same thing they used to embody bodies. So, like, that's why it doesn't equate to me. Some people were like, oh, I don't use C6000 because I don't like chemicals. I was like, what lash glue are you using? Yeah, because um, uh, <laughs> I know you were helping me with makeup one time, and I was just like, Bella, I have to be careful. They put peanuts. Sometimes it has peanut stuff, and I'm a, I have a nut allergy, so I can't buy foundations over the counter or something. I literally have to go to Ulta or another place, and that's when I discovered Pat McGrath. Someone had to research Pat McGrath makeup for me. So now I can put it on my skin. And a lot of people don't read the things like the eyeliner. We purposely made it. So it had ridges. I, I just want to put on it. So I put it on it. But like this is hyperallergenic and it doesn't have formaldehyde as part of the eyeliner. And it's long lasting. It's 18 hour wear. And it's in like a felt tube that will be easy for everybody to freaking use on it. But like it's also matte because I like matte. But like also the makeup wise also. I'm not making makeup for white women. I'm making makeup for people of color because there's different colors for different skin tones. Like I still remember that influencer online that called, talked about the Hermes uh, lipstick orange. I was like, well, what is this orange lipstick? Well, I would never. Um, that was not made for you. Yeah, that wasn't made for you. Some people don't understand color theory and under color yeah. terms. Reds come in different in different places. Also, like not everything's gonna look. There's not a lot of things that are independent products. But yeah, that's like I started as a joke with the eyelashes, which I'm wearing has the same eyelashes right now. Envy. I love. Oh, I love. I'm waiting for my package. Bellison was just like. I need to send you lashes if you're. Yeah, these are ego. So like, <laughs> he was like, uh, you got to do this photo shoot. I I it's got. It's a big time place. I too. don't remember what I sent you, but you're going to have to remind me. I don't um, know. When so, it comes, yeah. 
but like this this is the situation like a lot of people don't understand why i started a makeup company they're like oh is this alibaba this like you know like this drop ship whatever i was like no i actually made my own formula and like i had to stop shogul from producing twice because one they wanted to use so red sometimes stunned by a beetle um beetle component and it can stain and mm-hmm. it can get allergens so i was like don't do that we found another company then the other one was when they're like oh we couldn't confirm that the mica didn't come from and i was like well give me the company details and i'll go ahead and do the feedback on it so i did and it turns out that it did so i was like no i don't want that produced with that mica so like i literally they're like well we already made it well too bad sell those because i don't want them uh, yeah we need to do some with it with a correct amount of mica and they did but it's just like the constant delays that came from it were not just from covid it's because i didn't want to be complicit with my makeup company and some people are like i'm com-. some white girl was like i'm convinced the products don't exist i'm like i actually been shipping products since like it's not my fault that you're apparently not knowing of how this process you want to talk about a scam let's talk about real vivid but less Stay out of here. I bet you that person probably performed for them too. Right. Out no, of here. Out of her last She's just whatever. But like the the thing is, like the release my makeup line for entertainers, specifically women of color, people of color that are fans of makeup. I shouldn't also say always women, but like I wanted, I've always seen makeup as an artist myself to be a tool of iconography that was genderless. Yes. And there was never a reason why a man couldn't wear it, a woman couldn't wear it, a femme couldn't wear it, uh, like a non-binary person couldn't wear it. And people are like, you present so femme and you're non-binary. I was like, it's not, a, I like, like, if you know who John McClain is, he's the man on YouTube that speaks in cursive. Uh, <laughs> like, but like, gender is not a thing to us sometimes. And it's just like, I like makeup just because I like to put it on. I like so, some people are like, oh, you put on that makeup for your husband or whatever. And I was like, if you think that I'm wearing an $85 lipstick for my husband, ma'am, you're extremely... Uh, and yes, there's an $85 lipstick. I'm sorry about owning one. It's Louboutin. But a person will like to enjoy their small luxuries and that's mine. Sue me. Um, Thank you. Small luxuries. That's, like, a, and that's a beautiful like, luxury. You can, you can buy black luxury products, Latino luxury products, and there shouldn't be any reason why not to, but like whatever, still fuck Coco Chanel. But like, it's like, I think people don't understand what cosmetics, my passion is to bring it to people that don't have it, that enjoy it. I know the f- market's flooded and there's, every, you know, there's multiple things. I'm trying to provide an alternative brand that is unproblematic. Like, and, I was, and this will be actually like very controversial, but to be honest, that's the only person that really took a deep dive into how to make cosmetics and this J-Star. Don't like him. Don't like him. Damn. There is one part of his documentary about making that conspiracy palette. He was actually talking about production and about formula. And okay. that's the thing. I'll that watch I'm, that part because no, I don't watch understand. it. I'll tell you about it. Don't watch yeah. it. I'll tell you about it. But it was just like, it's important to see that, like, research has been done that makeup takes time. We can be putting out, like, and I'm not calling ColourPop out by so ever because i do buy from them quite often and i do enjoy color pop as a brand but like thirty thousand palettes in the same different colors like come on like how much if your palettes are 13 dollars, how much are you paying your employees right and like even the okay so you know i love fenty 
I love Fenty. You were the one that told me to go get the red. No, the no. Red. You was like, get that red lipstick. It's going to be busting on you. And then I also got the black one. And the black one was busting on me too. Like, yeah. When you were the one that was just like, I need you to go get this red. This red is actually going to be lit on you. But you and, and Rihanna, I feel like, Rihanna? yeah, y'all know what I need. And Pat McGrath. I feel like y'all know what I need. Oh, Pat McGrath, shout out to the best. And my, and my best friend. And my these, best friend. A lot of these my... are gifts for my friends. And these are the Louis Vuitton. This is the gloss. This is the gloss. This is the lipstick. And this is the... Well, like, this is a glot lipstick, and this is a lipstick. Michael thinks that they look like... So, they, they are... So, for our listeners, they are showing off these beautiful-ass bottles. They look like... Have you... If anyone has ever seen the movie um, Death Becomes Her? Yes! Where the formula is, is for the extent to live yeah. long... It looks, the tube yeah. looks exactly but like But my that. husband, for some reason, thinks they look like butt plugs. I was like, that's rude. Um, butt but plugs. Like, they like, also look like pointy, decorative okay. butt plugs. But sometimes it's it's okay to have some luxury. Look, it's, oh, it's so, okay to have some luxurious things sometimes. All right. It's not going to be We are running out of time. And I know we've been over, oh, but yes. not only that, my, my laptop is at 19%. Okay. Oh. <laughs> This but I just, have to, I just have, that's the problem with us. It always happens. Someone's phone is going to die. There is a kid that needs a nap. There is someone that needs to eat. I actually have to be somewhere at five. Yeah. Say, uh, same. Look, same. I definitely have to be somewhere soon. Uh, but what? Before I, I finish this, I would just like to say, Bella, congratulations on being a Bella of all trades. You are doing something, something doing, about that quote, by the way. What the bell of all people are like jack of all trades, master of none. The full quote is a jack of all trades is master of none, but oftentimes better than a master of none. one. A, a master of one. one. Yeah. That's why I'm just like, please continue to do all of it. You are Latinx. Immigrants, Afro Indigenous people, like Afro Afro Latinx people, like the queer community, mm, the historian, artifacts, costuming, makeup, um, child rearing, uh, <laughs> event, event planning. You know all of these things, and I just want to end this with Bella. Where can people find you? To watch you make all of this magic mix 24. <laughs> My basement. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, listen, you can find me under bellasoncle.com on my personal website. You can go ahead and also follow me at Instagram. I'm trying to get to 10K. So, bellasoncle um on there twitter on bellison 84 because somebody fucked up somewhere in there or bellison cle i don't know you can find me there and also you can find me at thebellison.com for cosmetics you can find me on tiktok bellison cle also follow cleanumberlast.com cleanumberlast on all socials ohio burlesque festival ohio burlesque on all socials um we're releasing the festival information on monday for applications uh and stuff like that and then we have also, if you need to find me, find me. You can uh, hit me up by email, uh, but nobody will ever give my phone number out. And if you do, you're a jerk. But uh, you can also find me via Gigi Holiday. 
um, if you need me, and if I don't answer the phone, you can call Gigi Allen, and she'll be like, sibling, are you sleeping? Sibling? <laughs> oh, but she may be too busy being famous, y'all, because you can also find her at Dwayne Park. Can which is where I have to be. Which is where I have to be tonight. I have to be at yeah, the I'm so part. proud of you of, of, of that. Like, I'm so proud of you. That's why I'm saying, like, I'm just nervous. I'm just nervous about all of it. But it, it's not about me. It's about you, my love. I'm going to make sure that everyone has all your information, that everyone sees your stuff. I am very thankful that you did this interview with me. You, you. are a beacon of light. You are a pillar in this community. I just thank you so much in not only being like an amazing performer, an amazing producer, an amazing historian, costume, all that. I also want to thank you for being my friend. You know, thank you for that. To um, loudest. Thank you for being my, a correction on that is thank you for being my sibling. Because <laughs> we're for, family now. Yeah. Thank you for being my sibling. If it wasn't, for I think for both of us, if it wasn't for you, we would not have been able to keep going all of 2020 all, or 2021. It was both of you and I like just in the trenches going, we have to get through with this. We have to do this. Um, but that's no choice. B. <laughs> that is no, there was no choice. And there was no choice. I love how we strong arm each other like Mama Tony strong armed us. And we need to call Mama Tony and, and I will see you at the dirty show, hopefully. No, I got um, in 18 and 19. So um, I will go see you and we'll go see Mama Tony together. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just thankful. Thank you so much for doing the show, Bella. I greatly appreciate it. Like I said, y'all follow Bella everywhere and listen to what Figuratively Bella, speaking. Yes. <laughs> but Bella is an influencer. Ton of stuff on TikTok that deals with costuming, burlesque history cosmetics grief all 100 people away from 20k right now so let's make this happen 100 people from 20k i'm gonna put all that information in there and on the website thank you so much bella sent say thank bye you. to the audience adios amigos, adios, amigos. <laughs>